you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G. D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 team. Hello, Dodger fans. Welcome to Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me and Vince this week on Thursday, right after the Dodgers-Giants day game to get in on the action. Locked On Dodgers is the daily podcast covering the world champion Los Angeles Dodgers, bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue. I am Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. I will be alone for the first half of this episode. Vince will be alone for the second half. We will be alone together, as the poets say. Uh, but I'm going to be talking a little bit about the contact play. The Dodgers lost 2-1 to one to the Giants, had a scoring opportunity in the eighth inning, uh, and had an out at the plate on a contact play. Uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about that. Uh, any, anytime that happens, Twitter is a buzz and uh, a lot of a lot of different opinions. So I'm going to give my opinion on that because I have a podcast and I can do that. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about trade deadline stuff, uh, specifically uh, possible trade with the Nationals. Uh, uh, yeah, so that's the plan for me. And then Vince will be along for the second half to talk about whatever he wants to talk about. So that's the plan. But first, I want to remind you, please subscribe or follow Locked On Dodgers wherever you get your podcasts. And when you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. All right. So as I mentioned in the eighth inning, uh, Luke Rayleigh actually got a hit and it feels like the Dodgers automatic automatically should score when Luke Rayleigh gets a hit. It, it should count for like a home run. Uh, he got a bloop single off of Tyler Rogers or Taylor Rogers or Trevor Rogers or Tommy Rogers or Timmy Rogers. I think it's Tyler. Um, anyway. And, uh, and then Chris Taylor, with one out, hit a double to make a second and third. So the Dodgers had second and third. This, it was tied one-to-one -one at the time. Uh, and second and third, one out with Max Muncy and Justin Turner coming up. You kind of like your chances there of, you know, getting it in. But with one out, you know, Muncy is the real chance there uh, when you don't necessarily need a hit to score a run. A sack fly can score a run, you know, a, a lot of different things can score a run with one out that can't with two outs. So, you know, the, the pressure's on Muncie there. The Giants, recognizing the situation, pulled their infield in, and uh, Muncie hit a hard ground ball to first base. And Rayleigh went on contact and was thrown out at the plate fairly easily. Uh, it was a, a bad tag by Buster Posey, actually, and so it was closer than it should have been. But uh, Rayleigh was easily out. And, you know, there there's a lot to say about that uh this specific play you know luke rayleigh maybe didn't have as good a secondary lead as he should have uh but you also have to be careful though there because especially with muncie being a left-handed hitter it's very easy for posey to throw behind the runner and so you can't get such a good secondary lead that you get you get picked off get back picked so you know it's a it's a tricky situation and uh anytime uh the contact play happens, which is saying, okay, you're going on contact, which is what it was. Muncie at the ball, Rayleigh ran to home, even though he was out easily. Anytime the contact play happens, uh, there's a lot of people who get pretty upset about it because the fact is the contact play is almost never successful. Uh, and so the question is, why do they keep doing it? And, you know, I, I'm not here to say 
uh, I'm always in favor of the contact play, but I do think it makes sense most of the time that the Dodgers do it. Uh, I, I think there's solid science behind why they're doing it or solid math as the case may be. Math is probably like science. That's what my physics teacher used to say. Um, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about those situations. When it's first and third, uh, it makes a lot of sense to do the contact play because the alternative is a double play. Um, you know, usually when it's first and third, they'll have the infielders in or the, the corner infielders in and the middle infielders at double play depth. But if you hit a hard ground ball at the third baseman, for example, and the runner doesn't go for home, third baseman throws it to second, second baseman throws it to first, it's a double play. So you have two outs and still not a run in. You know, if it was first and third, one out, the inning's over. If it was first and third, nobody out, then you still you have a runner on third and two outs. And again, like I said, there's it's a lot harder to score a guy with two outs. So uh, it makes a lot of sense to go in that situation because the thing to remember in all of this is sometimes they do make bad throws. Sometimes, you know, the contact play does work. We saw it work with Mookie Betts last year in the postseason. That wasn't so much a bad throw. That was just great base running by Mookie. Uh, we can think back to a happier time when Mookie Betts was healthy uh, and could provide that value on the bases. So sometimes it works just because of great base running. Uh, sometimes, though, uh, if you remember, there was a play. It wasn't quite the contact play, but in the 2015 World Series, the Royals against the Mets, there was a play where Eric Hosmer uh, took off for home. Uh, I don't remember what the situation was, but basically it was the first baseman, Lucas Duda, I think, having to make a throw to the plate, and Hosmer should have been out by 20 feet. Uh, but because of the pressure, Duda made a bad throw. Sometimes baseball players make bad throws. In fact, I have it on good authority that just 10 minutes after this contact play in question, the Dodgers lost the game because a first baseman made a bad throw. Uh, and Cody Bellinger in that case. So, you know, the contact play, sometimes it does work. And that's important context to recognize that sometimes it works. So first and third, it makes sense because you're staying out of the double play. A lot of times, even... Uh, if, if the guy can get in a rundown, sometimes you even still end up with a runner on on third, uh, like first and third again, because if a guy can get a rundown, the guy who started on first base can sometimes get to third. So sometimes instead of uh, a double play, you get the same situation as just a single out. So it makes a ton of sense there. In this case, it was second and third. Second and third is a little bit trickier. Second and third, one out is a situation where at first glance, at first blush, you think that was dumb. We had a runner on third. What? Just take the out. There's no double play in play because it's second and third. So ground ball to first base. Just let the first baseman step on first base, get the out. Uh, and, and I understand that. And that's even my instinct too. And I'm going to tell you why the math says that this makes sense. Even though we know... Luke Rayleigh is almost always going to be out, uh, but it's important to remember, sometimes he's going to be safe. Sometimes, you know, whoever was playing first base, Darren Ruff or somebody, is going to make a bad throw. We saw Buster Posey made a bad tag. If, if Rayleigh makes a better slide there, he's safe. If he does a little head-first hook slide, maybe he gets in under the tag. Uh, there, there's a decent chance, uh, not a great chance, but a real chance that you're going to score. Um, and then, so, if you score, you got the run, and it's first and third with still one out and you have the run in. That's the best case scenario. Next best case scenario is uh, you don't get out, you get thrown out 
and it's then first and third with two outs, which is what happened in this particular case. Now, either way, uh, I shouldn't say either way. The other option is, like we said, just don't go on contact and they get the out at first and then you have second and third and two outs. So the, the, the options that include getting an out are you have first and third two outs or second and third two outs. Either way, uh, your chances of getting the guy in from third require a hit. In this case, Justin Turner flied out, so they wouldn't have scored either way. Uh, the Sometimes you get a hit, and if you get a hit with first and third, you score one run. If you get a hit with second and third, you score two runs. So the contact play does reduce your chances of a big inning, a, a two-run inning. But it increases your chances of a one-run inning because either way, there's going to be two outs and a runner on third. The, the difference is, so your chances of scoring that guy on third are the same. The difference is the chance of scoring on the contact play. And that's where, that's the difference maker. That small chance, say it's a, a 15% chance. Well, that's 15 more than zero. And you have 0% chance of scoring on that play if you don't go. And so you end up with, uh, either way, you're going to have a runner on third and two outs. Your chances of scoring one run are better if you go on the contact play. Your chances of scoring two runs are worse. In a game like this, a tie game, late in the game, runs are at a premium. It made sense in my mind to go on contact, hoping to get that one run, knowing that there's a decent chance that one run can win you the game. And, you know, maybe maybe if, if the Dodgers were up 2-1 to one and said tied 1-1, to one, maybe Cody Bellinger makes a better decision in the bottom of the eighth and, uh, you know, things go differently. Who knows? But that's my thoughts on the contact play. It's frustrating because it's almost always running into an out, and that feels like a bad thing. But when you look at the actual real-life alternatives, it's actually not a bad thing uh, most of the time. There are times when it is a bad play. I do think sometimes the Dodgers do it when they shouldn't, but most of the time it is not a bad play, and that was definitely the case on Tuesday night, even though it didn't work. So I'm going to come back in a minute. I'm going to talk a little bit about the trade deadline stuff, uh, specifically the Washington Nationals, so keep it locked on Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Greenroom is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with us, other fans, athletes, insiders, whoever, in real time about your favorite team or sport. Greenroom chats with you guys. We have five or six of you who are there almost every week, and then others of you who bounce in here and there. We would love to have more of you this week. We're going to be doing it on Thursday, right after the conclusion of the Dodgers-Giants day game. So, you know, you'll be watching the, the game while you're supposed to be working, and then, you know, just don't get right back to work. Just hop in Spotify Green Room with us and, and talk Dodgers. Hopefully, we'll be talking about a Dodgers series win. But either way, it's a lot of fun. You guys get a chance to hop on, say your piece, and, and hear your voice on the podcast the next morning. Uh, we get to hear your thoughts. It's just a really great way for sports fans to interact, and it's a really great way for us as a podcast to interact with our listeners. Follow me at Snydog to be notified when our room goes live. We know you won't want to miss it. Uh, We will see you there. Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, let's talk a little bit about trade deadline stuff. I know we just did a full 
uh, mailbag episode yesterday that basically the whole thing was about the trade deadline. But, you know, nothing has happened for the Dodgers yet. There were a few moves in Major League Baseball, some interesting, some less interesting on Tuesday. Um, The fun thing about the trade deadline is by the time you're listening to this, maybe uh, everything I say will be moot because the Dodgers will have done something. Uh, But as of right now, as I'm recording this, which is 10, 14 p.m. Pacific time on Tuesday night, Nothing has happened, but there has been a lot of talk about the fact that the Nationals are open to trading Trey Turner. And, you know, we've talked a lot about Max Scherzer. I, I've been on the Scherzer train for a long time. I am definitely in favor of them getting Scherzer if they can for the right price. But Trey Turner can be a game changer because Trey Turner could help them fill some needs right now. Now, obviously, I'm going to mention the the elephant of the room Trey Turner left his game on Tuesday because he tested positive for COVID so he would not be an immediate help to the Dodgers but I do think with the health issues the Dodgers have had with Turner's defensive flexibility he's a shortstop he he can also play center field I'm sure he can handle second base and he could probably handle a corner outfield spot too if he can handle center field so there's a lot of different Uh, ways that he could help the team and he's a really really good player his speed is a game changer so uh, you know even though he's probably going to miss the next week or so uh, you know I don't know if Turner's vaccinated or not Uh, if he is then the the COVID is likely to go through much more quickly and seamlessly and so maybe he's back in less time Uh, but he's probably not going to be back before the trade deadline. So if the, if the Nats are going to trade him, it's going to have to be while he's currently out with COVID. Uh, But the value he could bring to the team to play multiple positions, to cover a lot of spots and and bring some offensive spark. uh, it, It, it would be a really big deal. He also has an extra year of control. So he's not a pure rental, which would make it more appetizing to give up some of these top prospects that the Nationals might be looking for. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, the idea of getting Scherzer excites me. The idea of sh- getting Scherzer and Turner uh, excites me way, way more. I am a big Trey Turner fan. Uh, he's a guy who, when the Dodgers play the Nats, I always dread when he gets on base because his speed, like I said, is such a game changer. You just know, oh crap, he's going to steal a base. He's going to make things happen with his legs. He can also hit a home run on you. You know, uh, there's just so much Trey Turner can do with the uncertainty about Corey Seager's health. uh, You know, the uncertainty about Cody Bellinger's ability to play center field, you know, having a, a guy like Trey Turner would be huge. And so when we're talking a trade for Scherzer and Turner in the same trade, I am suddenly willing to give up a lot more. I said yesterday, and I stand by the fact that I'm a dummy when it comes to general manager stuff. I don't know who is worth what, but for me personally, emotionally, because feelings matter, uh, I am much more okay with giving up some of these top prospects when you're getting both a couple months of Max Scherzer and a year and a couple months of Trey Turner. And, and that is a thing that, you know, whether it's Cabert Ruiz obviously would have to be included in that trade, I would think. And with as well as Cabert's hitting, it would be sad to lose him. But, you know, we've already kind of resigned ourselves to Cabert being traded at some point. And so he's just bumping up his trade value and, and that helps the team too. Uh, if he does get traded, if he doesn't, that's a whole different thing. We'll have to do an episode about next week because that makes things really interesting. If Cabert is still on the, in the organization next week, but for now, you know, Cabert would be involved in that. And then, you know, the Nats are going to want some people and, you know, 
we answered a question yesterday, and this is kind of the last point I'll make before I wrap up my part. Uh, somebody asked in the mailbag uh, what what the chances are of Gavin Lux being traded. And I said I didn't really think it was likely. Um, but the more I think about it, Gavin Lux is a, the kind of guy who they could look at. The, if the Nats were including Trey Turner in a trade, they could look at Gavin Lux as a potential replacement for Turner, uh, a guy with a lot more team control, more years of team control, uh, but a similar skill set, you know, speed-wise, potential power-wise. Obviously, Lux has issues with hitting left-handed pitching, or at least he has so far in the big leagues. But in, in 2019, when he was the best minor league player in baseball, he hit lefties really, really well. So I do still think there's potential there. And just so just thinking about the Nats specifically, I could see the Nats being interested in Gavin Lux in a trade like this. And and that is something where, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm a big Lux fan. You guys know that, but uh, I'm a big Trey Turner fan. And swapping out Lux for Turner while it hurts long-term, uh, you know, it's a thing that I might be pretty on board with if, uh, if it came to that. So again, that's all with the caveat that I'm a dummy and I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, not to the point where you shouldn't be listening to the podcast because obviously you should. Uh, but you know, when it comes to general manager stuff, I, I'm throwing darts at boards basically. Uh, but those are my feelings and, uh, and feelings matter. So that's going to wrap it up for me. Uh, Vince will be here in a minute to talk about uh, more about this Giants game, I, I assume. Uh, I'm sure he'll have a lot of thoughts. So uh, thanks for checking out. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, and Vince will be along in a minute. Yeah, shout-out to Jeff for holding down the fourth first half. Um, annoying game, bad game, not a fun game. I'll get into a little bit more of the game in the next segment, but just wanted to Kind of piggyback on Jeff's comments. Uh, I'm all in on Trey Turner and Max Scherzer being a package deal to the Dodgers. I am ready to give up almost anyone it takes for it. Uh, you know, within reason, not 20 guys, but two or three guys. That's very possible. And yeah, let's make it happen, Andrew Friedman. We're we're all in on you, and I'm down for that. Uh, just other news and notes around the league. The Giants reportedly uh, asked the Cubs about Chris Bryant, and then the Dodgers, Padres. And Giants are all reportedly the front lead or front runners for Scherzer at the moment. He prefers a West Coast team. Apparently, he already said that he probably wouldn't. Or the reports are that he said that he wouldn't accept a trade to the Mets or Yankees. He has veto rights, so he has those rights. The Dodgers haven't really been linked to anyone else in the last day or so. Um, it's really slow moving on the rumor end, but it has been fast moving on the actual trades. Nelson Cruz, there wasn't really any reports, and then he got traded. Rich Hill, there wasn't really any reports, and he got traded. Tyler Anderson, you know, people thought he might get traded, but there wasn't really any reports. He ended up almost getting traded. <laughs> Technically, kind of got traded twice. Uh, he ended up with the Mariners. The Mariners, Kendall Graveman wasn't really somebody talked about. He got traded. So a lot of pieces are moving without any smoke to it, just a lot of fire happening. So that's really interesting for the rest of this deadline. It kind of gets me excited that we don't have to go through 40 rumors before something happens. Stuff is just happening. So that's really just kind of the roundup from the rest on, in terms of Dodgers and who they're linked to and just the NL West in general. Uh, the the Cubs were reportedly scouting Joey Bart, so if they do go after Chris Bryant, I'm not sure if it would cost Joey Bart, but they're definitely someone on their radar. So uh, whatever the case is, we're going to come back and talk a little bit about the game, just talk about how 
now the lineups that Dodgers are putting out there and how frustrating it is to not win these close games despite those uh, tough lineups. So make sure to keep it locked on Dodgers. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar. You know it. If you don't know it, you need to go to Built.com right now and check it out. They got a bunch of different flavors. They're all covered in chocolate. They are all great tasting and they are all great for you. Right now, you can get orange, strawberry, coconut, mint brownie, salted caramel, raspberry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, and cherry barcia. You can always build your own box where you mix and match three flavors, or you can get a mixed box where you get two of each flavor to try them out and decide which ones you like. They are always around 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories from 130 to 180, 4 to 5 grams sugar, 4 to 5 grams net carbs. Great for you. And they're the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So why not go try Built Bar if you haven't already done so. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, going to close out the episode talking not necessarily specifically about this game, but kind of about the last week or so with the Dodgers and, and kind of a microcosm of the entire season. So the Dodgers ran out of lineup on Tuesday that had McKinney, and Rayleigh, and then the pitcher spot, which is Julio, who has hit well, but is still a pitcher and not that great of a hitter. So basically, the bottom third of your lineup, you would think, is not going to do give you too much production-wise. Uh, a little ironic that McKinney did have the RBI single that drove in the only run the Dodgers scored, and then Luke Rayleigh did put himself in position to score. But regardless of that, you know the Dodgers are running out these lineups against teams that are pretty good. You know the Giants are a good team, and they're missing Brandon Crawford, and they have a bunch of guys who aren't necessarily top tier guys aren't necessarily all-star players but guys that are getting things done and this is where you know it's hurting the dodgers where guys like mckinney guys like Rayleigh, noisy rex dj peters all these guys come through and we, and we talked about a lot how they have struggled and why that may be whether it's because of the lack of a triple a season last year or lack of minor leagues in general or just these guys aren't as good as previous prospects or, or previous players in the dodgers minor league system and you sit back and, and look at these last five games with the Giants and you think about how they are one and four in those games and you think about how close they were. They were two Kenley Jansen meltdowns away from being at least three and two in those games. They are one extra run or two extra runs away from being at least four and one in those games. And it's just... It's, it's it's frustrating because the Dodgers, like I said, they, they don't have their ideal lineups in there. But the fact of the matter is that they still have good players in there. Max Muncy, Chris Taylor, you know, even A.J. Pollock, who's had a, a hot July. There's a lot of guys in there that can score runs. And, you know, I'm not going to fault it on the top of the lineup for not scoring more runs. Will Smith as well has been really good since All-Star break. but And Justin Turner has been good all season. But it's just a matter of, you know, the, the Dodgers as a whole, especially in San Francisco where home runs aren't necessarily a big thing. It's kind of why they've struggled there at times in recent years, more so earlier in the year than later in the year. This is kind of middle of the year, so I don't know exactly what to expect from them. But, you know, with the, with the absence of home runs that can change the game these types of games are the ones the dodgers should win the giants are a team that relies on the home run i believe over 50 percent of their runs have been driven in by home runs and they lose a game and obviously you know jeff talked about the bellinger air earlier and kind of how that affected the game if the dodgers only scored one run and 
with a guy like Webb pitching who isn't some shutdown guy. The Dodgers should have been able to get more from their first few in the lineup, weren't able to do so, and they lose this game. And you know, the season is getting shorter by every day. We're let, we're over game 100 already. We are game 103 or 102. There's not that many games left. The Dodgers don't have any chances to control their own destiny uh, against the Giants. They have five more games against the Giants this season, if I'm not mistaken. And while that's still enough to control their own destiny right now, they lose one more. They're four games back with four to play. They kind of control their own destiny, but they would lose the season series to the Giants. Or, or no, they would still win the season series with the Giants. But either way, they're, they're getting close to where they don't control their own destiny, and that's not a position you want to be in. They were in that position a little bit in 2018 a few times toward the end of the year. It ended up working out. They ended up winning the division. But it's getting to a point where it might not happen. And this is where kind of Andrew Friedman has to decide how deep he wants to go into their prospect pool, how many players he wants to bring in and, and figure it out because the way the team is built right now, they need a hundred percent health in order to be a legit world series contender. If they are not a hundred percent healthy, they do not really have the depth pieces in the past. And this is something I talked about before the season started where they're not going to miss Jock and Kike so much during the season, but they're going to miss them in the playoffs. And this is kind of, or the stretch run at the very least. And this is kind of where it's happening because Mookie's out. Seager's been out. Lux is out. You know, they don't have a Kiki Hernandez to plug into an everyday role in the infield or outfield. They don't have a Jock Peterson that can provide some thump there in the lineup and play a decent outfield. They have guys, like I mentioned earlier, Noisy and Rex and, and Rayleigh, who haven't really quite panned out. McKinney, who they just picked up, who has the one hit but hasn't really done much beyond that. And... I think this is kind of, it's not going to be a defining trade deadline for Andrew Friedman, but it's going to be a kind of telling trade deadline for Andrew Friedman and how he perceives this team. Now, obviously, prices could run higher than he expected, and some of the ideas he has and some of the trades he would have liked to make may not be possible just because of that. Uh, but it's also a matter of, okay, let's, you know, worst case scenario, Mookie doesn't get better, Bellinger doesn't learn how to hit. Um, Corey Seager takes a while to get back and struggles. Gavin Lux misses the rest of the season. And then, you know, obviously Trevor Bauer doesn't pitch. Clayton Kershaw might come back, but that's still, they still need a starter regardless of that. And you're starting to think, oh man, like this is not a recipe for success. And with the struggles against the Giants and the Padres so far this season, who they still play a few times, it's just, you're looking at, okay, they, they kind of have playoffs in the bag. I think their playoff percentages are over 99%. Uh, playoffs are in the bag, but the one-game wild card's a different beast, different animal. Something they've they've played elimination games, which are similar to a one-game playoff, but they've never been in that position. And we've seen teams use the, the wild card in order and you know we've seen team win the world series out of the wild card spot that's not that big a deal we've seen teams win the wild card game and go on to win the next series or even advance to the world series we've seen that before as well but we've never seen it from these dodgers and it's a lot more stressful to be in a one game playoff against probably the padres uh than it would be to you know not be in that position and this is why in the past we've preached where winning the division is a big deal uh, a lot of people shook it off because of all the the times they lost in the postseason and, oh, like, who cares, eight straight and no West titles, whatever the case may be. But now I think people are going to start to realize that, hey, we are 
the season getting shorter. We're not necessarily in a position to, you know, own our own destiny in the division. We're going to need some help. And if not, we're going to be in a one-game playoff. And while it could spark the Dodgers, they win the one-game playoff and ride into the sunset with the back-to-back World Series title. But it's also not something you want to put strain on. And it's also, like I said, this team is built right now to be healthy or they're not as good as they could be. The starting pitching and bullpen help. Or the starting pitching and bullpen, uh, you know, has helped a struggling offense at times when they do have four or five guys in the lineup that aren't necessarily MLB quality right at this moment. That's not always going to be the case. They've lost both games with Julio Diaz against the Giants so far, and he pitched pretty well both times, giving up less than one run. And then they have Walker Buehler on the bump. They can't lose with him again because that'll be four games they lost with Walker and Julio outstarting pitchers and it's, it's just going to be you know not a good sign at all not a not a great look for the Dodgers specifically so I guess basically what I'm saying is Andrew Friedman this is something that you need to kind of realize and figure out and go get those pieces and decide if you want to really make this a World Series contender or if you want to bank on health and recuperation and everything working out in your favor this is kind of the 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 deadlock maybe that you're thinking about already but uh, it's just a matter of this is one of the first times in the last few years where you know the Dodgers aren't necessarily a World Series they're a World Series contender but they're not necessarily you know more of a lock than they have been in past years or at least the confidence wise you know that I have like I said they are banking on health in order to be that team that they can be and that's in the year that what we've seen where injuries have been prominent especially for the Dodgers that's a lot to bank on and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just interested to see how these next three days go. Uh, hopefully the Dodgers win the next two days and they make a bunch of trades and get, you know, a bunch of upgrades all over. But at the very least, winning these next two games in San Francisco are pretty big, like I said, just for the fact of controlling your own destiny. If you don't have control of your own destiny, it's pretty hard for you to get upset at the end of the season if you don't end up where you want to be. So Dodgers, go out and play better, score more runs, and win some games. Andrew Friedman, go help these guys out and, and get some reinforcements. And, you know, let's make this 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 stretch run to another Western Division title and hopefully another World Series title. So that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow us on social media, Twitter or Instagram, at LockedOnDodgers. We are running a giveaway on our Twitter right now, so go find that tweet, retweet it, follow us, and you're entered to win a Tommy Lasorda bobblehead. Make sure to follow Jeff on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vincent Perio. If you want to call and leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text, you can do so at 323-863-5625, or you can send us an email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. Take your smart device to play a podcast, Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. NBA draft goat Chad Ford, Locked on NBA draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked on NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked on NBA draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked on NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. D, I say D-O, D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all hard, all hard and all thumbs. They're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye.